everyone, and welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 93, your weekly podcast covering everything Magic the Gathering related. I'm your host, Chaz. Uh, you can find my work covering basically all MTG content and focusing on the financial aspect. With me is Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, our <laughs> resident budget and jank builder. What's up, Seth? <laughs> What's up, Chaz? <laughs> it's going well. And Richard, the owner of MTG Goldfish. Richard, how are you? Good, thank you. What's up, gentlemen? Doing well. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, as well as mtggoldfish.com. And so on the docket today, we have Commander 2016. The entire Commander 2016 decklist have been revealed. All the spoilers, just one week out of, what are we talking about, like a couple cards. So that's that always happens to us here on the cast. So we're going to talk about specific spoilers, uh, a couple cards that we've highlighted to to talk about to kind of round out uh, and round out our thoughts about Commander 2016 in general. Uh, we will have a lightning round where we choose a favorite card, a best card, and we'll choose one of the decks that we plan on, uh, that we like just coming out of the gates. We have an Emrakul and Progenitus promo that we wanted to touch on, Tournament Roundup, Warsaw and Santiago, as well as the Eternal Weekend. And we'll wrap things up with uh, the Standard Showdown, uh, Buy a Box Boosters, and Fish Mail. A lot to talk about. Let's just jump right in there. Uh, so Commander 2016, like I said, was spoiled. And we wanted to highlight a couple of those uh, cards that we didn't get to talk about last time. So Richard, take it away. Okay, so last time we talked about Atraxa, so you can refer to the last podcast. Today we'll cover the last remaining four uh, commanders, the four color commanders from Commander 2016. So first up we have Yidris, Yidris, Maelstrom Wielder. These, these names are hard, so uh, we're going to butcher some <laughs> of them today. Blue, black, red, green, four converted mana cost, 5-4, legendary creature, ogre, wizard, trample. When Yidris, Maelstrom, Wielder, deals combat damage to a player, as you cast spells from your hand this turn, they gain Cascade. So this is one you're really excited for, right, Seth? I just love the cascade mechanic. So out of <laughs> all the four color commanders, I think this is my favorite. I don't know. And we'll probably talk about this more. The colors are weird on these four color commanders. I could, I don't really understand why this is every color except white. Uh, but I think it's really fun. And we have two big cascade commanders right now in Rashmi and Maelstrom Wander. And I think there's some reasons that Yidris is just better because both of those cards are pretty limited in their cascade. Maelstrom Wander is pretty much a when you cast it trigger or when it enters the battlefield trigger. And then uh, Rashmi is only once per turn. So you can definitely do some really broken things. If you can get in one hit on one player with Yidris, the rest of your turn is just going to be absurd. Everything you cast is cascading. So I'm really excited for that aspect of it. Yeah, I think you kind of nailed it there. And, I mean, beside the fact... I mean, we all kind of talked about this before we started recording. Yeah, the, the color identities... Uh, you know, if you just scrambled these all up, like it wouldn't really be... It wouldn't be easy to identify all the colors in all of these. Maybe, you know, I, I argued Brea, but for Yidris, I mean, it's fairly costed. It is a 5-4 for Trample for 4, and like you said, Seth, I mean, all you really have to do, it, it pretty much provides its own way to get in the combat damage to start cascading and, you know, have a really absurd turn. So I really like it in that respect. 
And yeah, I think it's it's probably one of the stronger four color commanders that we've seen. I think Yidris is okay. Powerful ability, Cascade is cool, but it's just a value card because you can't you can't really build around me. You can't really cheat something into play because it's basically Cascade. So basically, you're just drawing a card and playing it, which can be good, but to me, that's not too exciting. I think Rashmi does a fine impression of Yidris at half the colors, and you need to hit someone, which at 5-4 Trample, I guess, is doable, but I don't know. It's just not too exciting. It's basically draw a card, get some mana each turn, so it it's solid, but... Nah, it's 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 too spiky for me. I mean, it's not special enough, especially given that it's a four C commander. I will say, I think if I had to give one of the new four color commanders the must kill award, this would be the one. Like if someone played this at Commander Clash, I'm pretty sure, uh, like we've seen with Rashmi in the past, it's just going to be like everyone gangs up and like, how do we kill this? Because if you untap with it. Yeah, it's just spiky in value, but the amount of value is really absurd. It's hard for me to imagine, especially when you have green for ramp, that you untap with this and don't really just take over the game. So I think it's going to be very targeted once it comes out. People are going to focus on killing it right away because the value is off the charts. Do you guys think Rashmi's better or Yidris is better? Just ignore the fact that one is four and one is two colors. Oh, that's actually a a tricky question because they're kind of different. I think they support different builds. Yidris makes you just want to cast a bunch of stuff in your turn. And I imagine you wanting to ramp into it. Uh, why Rashmi incentivizes you to play instance and be able to cast things on everyone's turn. So you're getting that cascade effect multiple times each turn cycle. So I think they're comparable to me. They're about similar in power level, but the decks you would build around them would be very different. Yeah. I, I, I'm tending to agree. I mean, like you said, Seth, you're in green, so assuming, I mean, it's a little harder to cast Yidris, but we'll just assume that, you know, you can cast Yidris and Rashmi at the same time, like, you know, relative. I still think Rashmi comes out a little bit of head because I think Richard has a great point. Like, 5-4 Trample does seem, you know, pretty good, but, like, in Commander, it's not that good, right? There's still other things, like, that can get in the way and, and, and be like a roadblock. And then if you're trying to force damage through using spells, so now you're using spells before you get the damage trigger and you have less spells to play after you get the damage trigger. So I don't know. I think Rashmi just, you know, straight up value might come out a little bit ahead. And it, again, a lot easier to play. Yeah, I think they're pretty close. One's an ogre, one's an elf. I like <laughs> ogres better. <laughs> but I, I think Rashmi... Rashmi does a pretty solid impression, which is why I'm a bit surprised that these cards are so similar. I would have expected something a lot more unique, but... Uh, moving on, we got Saskia the Undying... Or, sorry, Saskia the Unyielding. Black, red, green, and a white. 3-4, legendary creature, human soldier. Vigilance, haste. As Saskia the Unyielding enters the battlefield, choose a player. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player it deals that much damage to the chosen player. This card eh. is so bad. I, this <laughs> Wait, is what? <laughs> easily my least favorite of all yeah. the four-color commanders. And part of that's me being biased. Like, it doesn't facilitate the kind of decks I want to play. This wants you to play a bunch of creatures, be attacking. It can do cool things where you could potentially kill two players with one attack step. So I get that aspect of it. But for me... 
that's not how I have fun playing in Commander. So it just facilitates decks that I don't personally enjoy. So for me, it's at the bottom of my list. You know how we talked about, like, we we just talked about, like, how, you know, the four-color thing? I think this is the most egregious because, to me, this is a Boros Commander disguised as a four-color Commander. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is just so straightforward. This it has literally, like, nothing to do with, like, Jund Ed White. This is probably my least favorite just because it's just so straightforward. And I just, I felt like they could have done, like, I don't know. It just... It feels like something's missing or something's not there. I don't know. I can't. I can't really explain it other than that. I just there's just something about it I don't like. You're all wrong. Okay, so Chaz is right <laughs> that this is not four color, but all of them <laughs> seem to suffer from this behavior. But first of all, it's Braveheart on a card. Okay, so <laughs> second of all, this is where I guess EDH philosophies come in because I think this is actually the best commander, and I think it's the most unique commander of all the commanders we've seen, because it's super political, right? You can get someone dead by not attacking them by attacking another player. So now you open the door, you know, if someone has pillow forted up, someone has, you know, crawl spaces and ghostly prisons and whatever, and you can't attack them, attack this other person and deal damage, right? So you have that awesome way to interact now. And second of all, it fixes the aggro problem. Basically, your creatures are dealing double the damage now because you can damage two players at once. So you can actually play aggressive creatures and kind of get there by kind of just doubling your damage here with Saskia. So, you know, imagine double strike on top of that. Imagine an extra combat step on top of that. It's absurd. So I actually really like this card, and I think the ability to hit someone without actually hitting them is really unique, and I... You know, it's deserving of four colors, uh, even though it has nothing to do with green and black. <laughs> but but <laughs> I, it's special enough to me that I, I think it, it can be the face card of a of a commander deck. Yeah, you do. You bring up some good points. Th- those those are definitely some viable points. I just think from maybe I'm just looking at it from the design standpoint, and that I just can't get over that hurdle. In Seth, all fairness, Seth doesn't like to it, attack. In, in all fairness, it's also the the one four color commander lacking blue, so it's probably shouldn't be a surprise that uh, I'm not interested in playing it. Wow, you're right. <laughs> what if it drew a card every time it triggered? Yeah. Uh, oh. Then most likely yes. <laughs> and we're having a very different discussion. All right, moving on to some Greek names I can't pronounce. We got <laughs> Kinios and Tiro of Miletus. Red, green, white, blue. Human soldier, 2-8. At the beginning of your end step, draw a card. Each player may put a land from his or her hand onto the battlefield. Then each opponent who didn't draws a card. I think this is pretty cool. I mean, this is as group hug as group hug gets, right? Uh, I, I, I think it's pretty cool. Again, the colors, like, if you just showed me this card and was like, guess those colors, I would never be able to guess those colors. <laughs> so, but you know, it's it's definitely you know I love the design of the card. I love the whole. I, I love that we get to you know peer back on some of these cards, like onto these planes that we don't see. Uh, I think group hug is a really cool archetype, and there's not a lot of group hug commanders that are really like Feldegriff is kind of the classic group hug commander, and I think this jumps to near the top of the list for commanders if you want to play group hug. 
I see nothing red about this card at all. You could no. sell me on Bant or blue-green or blue-white, but uh, I do not get the red part. So I'm a little disappointed they didn't tack on something that feels at least slightly red just to fit the flavor of the card. But I like this card, and I could definitely imagine playing it. It draws cards. It does what you want to be doing in a group hug deck. So... I think that it will see some play just because of that and the dearth of other options for really good group hug commanders. Yeah, what's weird is you can't ramp yourself. Oh, wait, can you ramp? Yo, you can ramp yourself, but you... Yeah. Oh, never mind. I have nothing to say about this. (laughs) Uh, I I do notice that it's lacking black. You know, the one color it is missing and uh, Doran uh, is really sad Mm. with this 2-8 body here. Yeah. I feel like this card needs Vigilance or something. <laughs> I feel like it needs one more keyword. I don't know why you'd attack with your 2-8, but... I, I think I figured out it needs Menace. If it had Menace, <laughs> this would be the perfect oh, card. Right. <laughs> Better block my 2-8 with two of your creatures. Well, you, can still, you can still play Assault Formation. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But being you able to attack and block at the same time, I think, would be pretty cool right. and flavorful, given uh, that they're the Guardians of Miletus. Yeah, and there's two of them. Like, one attacks, one defends. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, pretty solid group hug card. Pretty... It, it is what it is. I think there's nothing crazy. There's no crazy combo or anything. So I think it's a pretty solid card. And I like the 2-8 body. Something about 2-8 just looks good. Although... <laughs> what What is Guardian? What is the Guardian Guardian of Miletus? What, what, I what? think it's a... 0-3? Zero, 0-8, zero, zero I believe. 0-8? Yeah. Zero way to artifact, I believe. All right, these guys add one power each. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next commander, we have Brea Ethereum Shaper. White, blue, black, red. Legendary artifact creature human, 4-4. Four, four. When Brea enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 one, one blue Thopter artifact creature tokens with flying. Pay two, sacrifice two artifacts, choose one. Brea deals 3 damage to target player. Target creature gets minus 4, minus 4 until end of turn. You gain 5 life. I think this is the best design card of out, of out of all four of the four color commanders. And it might be a surprise, and this is the only one, like, this is my favorite, and it's not even a green card. So it's, like, so <laughs> surprising. So, I mean, it's, like, right there with Atraxa. But I, I just feel like, overall, this is, it has, like, every has something for all the colors that you know the, its color identity and i think it might actually be the best four color commander from like an impact standpoint i mean it does something when it comes into play all three of its abilities are relevant you can have some weird like infinite combos with this or fl- you know flicker effects i think it's really good so so here's a question for you i think i agree that brea hits all the color marks the best out of any of the commanders. I mean, it literally has essentially an ability for each color. If you consider the making the Thopters a blue ability, you have the red ability and damage, the black ability and negative four, negative four, uh, the white ability and gaining life. At the same time, I wonder if it suffers from uh, what we might call the Obnixilis problem, where it's literally the most like predictable things each color could do. So here's my question for you, both of you. Would you rather have the other four color commanders be like Brea, where they do have every color represented, but they're pretty predictable in the most basic thing those colors do, or would you rather have the commanders kind of 
not exactly meet the color requirements but have interesting abilities? That is a very good question. I think that the if it is not going to have the color identities on it, then I need to be pretty impressed. Like I need to be really impressed with the what it does have on the card. Like Atraxa, we go back to Atraxa from last week. Like there's a lot of keywords on there. You do pro- proliferate every turn. It's a sizable body for four mana, and that's all great. But it's like ah, you know, like you said last week, like. I looked at it again, and like that's it is a good card. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's like, are you really that impressed, or would you have rather like some? Is that a card where you have rather seen you know some form of abilities of each color, right? Because like Death Touch, I mean, what's I don't know. It's like what's green about the card? What's black about the card? I mean, I don't know. This, yeah, it is a kind of Omnixilus like, but I mean, I'm I'd still rather that and have a good commander. Then have to worry about, you know, being having a letdown where it's like, oh, if only it had this, right? Yeah, I'd rather not have Brea's. I mean, this is basically a four-color charm attached to a body, or potentially a four-color planeswalker. To me, Commander is more about unique effects. So I really like cards like Kiados. Am I pronouncing it differently every time I say it? Because I'm just making it up. <laughs> and Kanaios. Kanaios, uh Saskia, like. You know, if I wanted these effects, I could just play two charms from different colors or something and combine them. Uh, but, you know, these really unique effects, like even Yidris, even though I didn't like him too much, uh, has a pretty unique effect that you can only find on a handful of cards. So to me, cards that exemplify the commander format have super unique effects, not kind of these small effects from each color, which you can get anyway if you just played, you know, those cards in your 99. I don't have I don't have a good answer. I don't know what's better because I'm complaining about both sides essentially. <laughs> like I'm complaining about commanders that don't feel like they're four color, but then I'm also complaining because they made Brea that actually does have an ability for each color. So I don't know what's best. It's I think that for me having fun gameplay is the most important thing and I get that designing four color is super challenging that's they've talked about that before that's one of the big reasons we don't get four color cards is it's really hard to make them feel like they're really four colors how do the four different colors mesh together on one card so i get that there's a challenge there so so i don't know i think if anything my takeaway is i'm glad that they did this so we have four color commanders and they exist because that was something we didn't have before but in the future uh, I don't really want to see these again. I'd be happier if they stuck to two color, three color, even a five color year for the commander decks. But let's uh, give four color a rest now that we have options available. Because I, uh, I don't know. I don't think they're as good as the other commanders we've seen in past years. I think Wizards agrees with you. I like before they even started this set, they knew it was going to be a challenge, and that's why they have made partners. Now you can get four color decks using two commanders instead of this, you know, four-color commander card you need that they can't design. So I think this is a one-time shot here. Have some four-color commanders and partners is how you really express your creativity with four-color commanders because these cards are too hard to design. They don't don't really mean anything. They're just, like, color symbols on a card. Uh, So I I think three is our maximum for, like, what we can kind of digest and process on a card in terms of identity i think four is too much and they they tried their best and i think partners is where we're going to get the majority of our four color combinations going forward 
Yeah, I, I think overall they did a you know respectable job, and I think you you pretty much nailed it, Richard. These are just color symbols on a card that they really just hoped people would like, and they did the best they could. And I I commend them for it. I think overall they did fine, but and I just to kind of segue us here because you had a couple point of interest here, uh, Seth. You wanted to talk about finance. Uh, <laughs> you have your own uh, qualms here, Richard, with uh, Ludovic. We'll we get to in a second. But I'm glad you brought it up because with partner, and let me ask both of you: Do you see yourself using the partnered commanders rather than the four color commanders overall? Because I guess that kind of gauges how successful you you thought they were. Yes, I like the partner cards a lot, and because we have so many of them, like most of the cards I'm excited for in this set are partner cards. So just by that, I'll, I'll be playing them more. You know, obviously I'll give the four color commanders a spin. Obviously I'll give the decks, you know, unupgraded in the original forms a spin. But I think the partners are the coolest part of the set. I can see myself playing a lot of partner decks. I don't know how long it will last because basically once you have the cards for your partner, just changing partners doesn't really change your decks, right? You're just taking two halves of different decks and mashing them together. So I don't know about long-term playability, but there are a lot of partner cards that I want to play with, so by that virtue, they're going to have to be my commander, and I'll just naturally play a lot of them because there's a lot of combinations. So in that sense, I think the partners do just as well as the 4C commanders, so I see myself using partners a lot more. I think that partners were a really great solution to the four-color problem. I imagine using them more than the four-color commanders in general, and I just think it was it's just a great idea, and I like the value that it provides to the product. So if you're a new-to-commander player that's buying these decks, you get a four-color deck, which is great and it's cool, but you also get new commanders and a bunch of cards that can support three-color decks, two-color decks. So I think that was a really good way to add more value to these products for new players that are getting into the format, which I really like. Uh, the one thing I don't necessarily like is I feel like these decks were made during the peak of Tiny Leaders hype, and I feel like some of the partner commanders, actually each color combination gets one that just happens to cost three mana or less, but I feel like some of the commanders were hamstrung by wizards wanting to print cards that would work in tiny leaders and that we could have got cooler partner commanders if that wasn't a concern at the time it probably made a lot of sense but now tiny leaders is pretty much a dead format no one cares about it or talks about it so it's interesting to see its influence over this set at least in my opinion i assume that that's what happened yeah i i tend to agree i think a lot and um i suspect that more people will use the partnered commanders rather than just the straight up four color commanders and to your point about tiny leaders i don't know i mean they also take maybe they don't take tiny leaders into mind that often but they do take i mean it feels like you can argue tiny leaders or you can also argue the the specific like the one versus one commander where lower costed commanders are also pretty good so you kind of had that dynamic too i think they just wanted something for any kind of you know casual player so you have a wide variety of these partner commanders. You have the four-color commanders. I think they just wanted to throw a lot of different options out there for you know, a wide variety of players. So I, I don't think you can really narrow it down to one thing. Oh, you know, they have these three-color commanders or these two-color commanders. Because a lot of people do play you know, strictly one-versus-one commander, too. So, and that's where I see some of these really shining. Uh, but, but yeah, I think 
I think overall they did a good job, and I'm kind of happy, but I tend to think I lean towards the partner commanders as well. Yeah, just to make a note there, I don't think it was a nod to Tiny Leaders, but rather kind of a design bonus of partners. Uh, basically, with partners, you can play an expensive one and a cheap one. So yeah. at any time, you can curve out with your commander, and when your cheap one dies and the commander tax will you know continue your curve so i think it's actually a pretty cool thing that they have cheap commanders so you can actually play a commander early and then play something more powerful later on so i think it's actually a bonus and not necessarily a nod to tiny leaders just you know you can just cast commanders at any point on your curve now all right, let's move. Oh, before we move to the financial implications, Seth, what what is the the Ludovic debacle that we wanted to highlight here, Richard? The internet is up in arms. So <laughs> if you want to complain about slapping color symbols onto cards, you know, no one cares about color symbols. No one cares about the white mana symbol. What about slapping loved uh, loved people from lore onto random cards that have nothing to do with their abilities? And that, my friend, is Ludovic Necro Alchemist. <laughs> So, the card, if you're not aware, one blue and a red, legendary creature, human wizard, at the beginning of each player's end step, that player may draw a card if a player other than you lost life this turn. Partner, 1-4. There's a big post on Reddit, there's many comics mocking the situation, but Ludovic, you can't tell from this card, is a crazy mad scientist from Innistrad, friends with Giralf, Makes zombies, is also a, a thermal alchemist, but for some reason this card is some weird generic is it card that just draws cards. No flavor, nothing referring to the story, and people are really mad. This following Ulrich, you know, the, the werewolf lord that basically does nothing and is not very <laughs> werewolfy. So what do you guys think about wizards slapping, you know, these known characters on the cards that just don't match their lore or their personality at all you kind of opened the floodgates here because it's like i just was kind of overall happy but not only i mean ludovic doesn't just suffer from this like a couple of them a few of them do where it's just like so generic i mean you see ludovic but then you also see this uh the crown the the, the five mana four four it's a zombie so you figure it's it's Lud maybe maybe not only ludovic but is like abominations also have a and i an, an issue here where they're just so bland i mean it's like a reverse jury end so you could like legitimately never draw cards from your commander and i think that's even more egregious as well some of them are just they are straightforward to bad but it's like okay i guess but yeah i i i think in ludovic's case it's it's pretty egregious because a, a lot of people probably had high expectations and they were certainly dashed on this uh yeah wizards is in a weird place where they know <laughs> that people like to see the continuation of characters and stories the commander sets are a good place to do that but i think if you're going to intentionally use commander cards or really any supplemental product to continue the story of characters that people know and care about you gotta build them from the top down like basically that was the problem Merrill commented on this and pretty much said we can't build all the commanders or we didn't build all the commanders from the top down we knew people like to see what Ludwig was up to so we just 
stuck it on this card. We had this card with these abilities. We're like, hey, Ludwig, that'll work. So I think if Wizards is going to make story cards, they really got to make sure they fit the story. And I think that's the big fail there. To me, this is... The werewolf was just bad. I don't think that that necessarily was bad from a flavor perspective. It just wasn't what people were hoping for as far as mechanics and being playable. Uh, But I think this is in some ways it's worse because not only is the card not very good, but it also just doesn't fit the flavor in the story. So I think in the future, Wizards is better off probably this would be better if it was some generic is it legend we'd never heard of before and saving the story cards for when you know you're going to do a top-down design and really support the flavor and story i agree and ludovic sucks <laughs> I, I really wanted a zombie making dude he makes zombies why why would you take one of the most loved tribes of magic you know have their their alchemists, you know, crazy. Here's your chance to go into red with zombies, and then this happened. Like, what? Why? Yeah. Why am I just randomly drawing cards? Just insert another generic "is it" goblin into here, and there you go, right? Yeah, and I get what you're saying, Seth. It's a great point. I don't know on the timeline where they started developing this because it seemed like in Kaladesh we got story cards, and those were actually pretty good. I mean, not constructed good, but you look at just the story cards. And it looked like they constructed them well. So maybe they just kind of missed that devotion to story cards. And they did exactly what uh, you mentioned before. It's like, ah, we'll just throw this in here, you know, just so people can get a kind of a peek back to, you know, planes that we, you know, either haven't seen for a while or we just left and we kind of want to continue. So hopefully they take this as, you know, constructive criticism and they do a better job next time. I mean, unfortunately... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Ludovic probably won't be high on the scale here. So, so, and, so uh, who still wants that yeah. Urza card? <laughs> it's like, please, no, yeah, no, 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 please, no. Just, just make a new. Take your time locker. on that one. No, you, you could have another fifteen years. <laughs> um. So, all right. So, so Seth, let's just quickly talk about the finance stuff. You want? You had a couple points to bring up. Yeah, I just got a couple of real brief points. I'm not going to really get into individual cards or anything. Like The bottom line is these decks have a lot of value. If you look at their retail prices compared to the MSRP, it's like three or four times as much. So a lot of these uh, card prices have to come down a lot. The main thing I wanted to point out, though, was just how many recent reprints there were and how many of these are cards that in the last couple years you would potentially be buying like as speculation. Like I'm going to buy this card. A uh, progenitor mimic is a good example that screams like I'm a casual hit someday. I'm going to be worth a bunch of money. And just when it's getting to the point of maturing, it's being reprinted. And we saw this over and over again. Soul of new Phyrexia is another one, a top uh, thousand commander card. That's fairly recent. Brutal Horde chief. Isn't that long ago, uh, even from previous commander decks with Duretti and Gabe. So we just, uh, Iroris, uh, Iroris, the God of victory. So yeah. a lot of cards that people were saying in the not too distant past, like I'm going to buy a bunch of these at rotation, hold on to them. These are cards that are going to be worth more money someday because they're super popular and casual. And that thinking is right. That's how it's worked for a long time. But we're seeing, in my opinion, that changing with all these reprints. So it's not necessarily as simple as like, oh, I'm just going to buy Iroas and hold on to it. 
because it's going to show up in a commander deck like a year or two down the road from its original reprinting. So I just wanted to make sure that that was out there and everyone understood that because there's just so many cards on this list are exactly the casual cards that I would in the past want to be holding on to and letting them mature in value. But that's just so risky now with so many supplementals and wizards really taking an interest in reprinting good cards and we saw a lot of cards with the double reprint or at least some like burgeoning yeah. for yep. example uh yep. ghostly prison where you get the two reprints in a very short period of time so even the idea that oh it's been reprinted once in conspiracy so now i can buy it and they're not going to reprint it again that doesn't even ring true to me if anything i could see an argument that once a card's reprinted and its value comes down especially for cards like burgeoning that used to be really expensive then it might be more likely to be reprinted again because it's not thirty dollars anymore now it's five dollars and that makes it eligible for commander decks and stuff like that it's not too valuable to put in those decks so uh, just another reminder of the changing world of the financial aspect of the game i think yeah and, and let me ask you a question because i mean i've we've had discussions over this too and i just want to make a brief point i mean i agree with anything everything you said i mean long term was always really risky but i just wanted to kind of convey the point that i mean you're really opening yourself up to get burned here because as we've seen i mean and we've talked about this you know cons uh back in conspiracy too right so we had this discussion that like they're taking more chances here in the fact that they are really being aggressive with some of these reprints. Like you said, we get the double reprints from either Eternal Masters and now the, the Commander product or even from Conspiracy and now the Commander product. And, and cards that we've just seen like a couple years ago are now already eligible. I mean, they're not wasting any time here to, you know, take the chance and just reprint it. Um, and, and you're again, I just, you know, urging caution is really all I was saying and um, it's just it it's changing. I mean, the the landscape is changing. And like you said, it, it back then it was probably a better idea. Like, oh, you know, this probably won't be reprinted for a long time. You could kind of sit on some of these cards, and maybe they would appreciate. But we've said like numerous times that uh, you know a card just as it's reaching its zenith is already like eligible for reprints now, and the the timeline seems to be picking up. Yeah, we're seeing like languish that just rotated and cards that have really recently been printed being reprinted again. And I think that's the new normal moving forward. So I think it's just something to keep in mind. The The long-term aspect of finance, especially with casual cards, is just super risky now. And I, I mean, it's not risky if you bought these cards at rotation, I don't think you're going to lose a ton of money. You're losing the opportunity cost because you're just not going to ever have them appreciate. And then you got to ask yourself, like, am I, do I want this pile of cards sitting around or would I rather have real cash money that I could be doing other things with? So I think that's the biggest thing. You, you pay a big opportunity cost of sitting on these casual cards for two or three years. And then even though you can probably sell them for about what you paid, if you bought them at rotation, you lose all that time where you could have been doing something better with your money yeah and before just real quick again before we move on um would you agree that you know you see some of these cards like chromatic lantern a lot of people want to bring up these cards you made the point that they get reprinted and then they pretty much just like rebound really you know fairly quickly because of the a lot of demand but what we don't see I, I, what's still successful about the reprint is that they don't gain additional value and and yeah. that's usually the, the what we like what we see with a lot of these reprints. 
Yeah, I definitely saw a lot of people that really know Commander and Finance talking on Twitter like, if they hadn't reprinted Chromatic Lantern, it was going to be like a $10, $15 card within the next year. So even if we don't see a huge price drop on some of the absolute staples that get reprinted, it really is still doing its job and saving you money in the long run because the price would be spiraling out of control if it wasn't for the additional supply. Right. All right, Richard, bring us into the lightning round. All right, so real quick, we'll just go around and you guys choose a card based on the topic. And the first topic is favorite card in Commander 2016. Chaz. All right. Rayhan, last of the Abzan. Cheap Commander, I really want to build around it for a one-versus-one Commander, and I think it's it's pretty interesting. I, I, I love the interaction with one-plus-one-plus-one uh, plus one counters here. Uh, this one's super easy. It's gotta be the fish, the deep close skate. It's the <laughs> it's the blue doubling season. I can blink it with Venser, double all my stuff. It's I I just love that card. It might actually be too good. That card is super powerful, and I'm really excited for it. All right, my card is Evolutionary Escalation. So that's the mm-hmm. one where it's a two man enchantment, green. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a three plus one plus one counters on a creature you control and three plus one plus one counters on a creature an opponent controls. So I love making my dudes big and I love political cards. So this is another way to get Seth dead very fast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, best card. What's the best card oh. in Commander 2016? However, you define best, Chaz. I'm going to go with Brea here, best designed. It has, like like we talked about earlier, it has an ability for each one of its colors. I love just this all that wrapped up nice, neatly in one package, and I just love the commander. Oh, man, I wish I knew we were going to do this because <laughs> I would have picked the fish again, Deep Glow Skate, <laughs> uh, but that's probably not a, a good thing to do. So I'm going to go with my other pick for Broken Card, and certainly the best of the partnered commanders and oh god kydely kydel kydel chosen of crufix so i think this card is also incredibly busted making multiple mana a turn and being supported by card draw is two things that i really like to do it's exactly what you want in a simic commander yeah, would you like your brainstorm to come with the dark ritual? Yes, please. <laughs> so Seth stole my card, but I have a backup. Oh, <laughs> I think okay, Kaidal is okay. actually just absurdly broken, and we'll we'll find that out soon. But Ash Barons, I think, is the best card. So Ash Barons is the common land where you can tap to add a colorless, and it has basic land cycling one. Very elegant way to fix all multicolor decks. Either play it on curve, get a colorless mana. Or just pay one and cycle it away to get a basic land to fix your colors. And I think this will be a staple in every mana base. What, what, what a way to wrap up all of this is the basic common land that's just so innocuous. I love you, Richard. Uh, Ash Barons as well, uh, according to people in the know, is a super big deal for Pauper. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly why, because I'm not a huge Pauper player, but all the Pauper people are extremely excited about Ash Barons. I, I still, I can't believe, count on Richard, all these flashy commanders, these four-color <laughs> Days, he goes with the common land. Hey, you can't cast <laughs> your flashy spells without I, the mana. I, I get you. I get you. It is. It is very strong. 
All right, so moving along. Oh, we have one more one more point, right? Choose one deck. Yeah, which which deck will you purchase if you can only buy one? Atraxa. Uh, I did the huge breakdown for the article, and I'm going to stick with how my rankings turned out, which was the Brea artifact-based deck. I think has the mm. best staples for people building a deck, and I just love artifact-based strategies. So. Yep. Yeah, I think any of the decks are good, but if you only yeah. if this was your first product, I would think uh, Brea Invent Superiority is also really good, just because it has Doretti. And that's a Planeswalker commander. So if you're new to commander, you also get to choose this Planeswalker as your commander. So I think that's a pretty cool thing for first-time players. Well done. All right. Uh, so just quickly, Emrakul and Progenitus promos. So Emrakul is the regional Pro Tour qualifier promo. Progenitus is the Grand Prix promo. And it's Emrakul the Aeon's Torn, not the Promised End. Yes. What are your I, thoughts it still on looks this? beautiful. I've never been so happy and disappointed with one announcement. The Emrakul is awesome. The art is awesome. It's a great choice. The Progenitus is the same old art we've seen a million times. No one plays it anymore. So Emrakul, awesome choice. I love it. Progenitus, at least give us some sweet new art. Yeah. Vincent, oh man, Pros, Pro, oh, I'm going to butcher that. I know some people are going <laughs> to be angry with me, but... <laughs> Just knocked it out of the park. I mean, everyone's favorite Eldrazi mom, the Titan, uh, did did this card really great justice. And yeah, it is Emrakul, the Aeon's Torn. I would have loved to see a Promised End uh, promo, but this is just as good. I mean, it very, very, very good. Yeah, I don't know what the deal with is with Progenitus. Does anyone care yeah, about, like, no, no one cares we'll about Progenitus? Why the is this the promo? <laughs> it's like randomly played as a sideboard card in some legacy decks no you know that one of an elves and like that's it like <laughs> why i don't know we, we've had some good grand prix promos and to go to progenitus yeah. is a little weird emrakul is so good that it kind of just counteracts that i think what do you think about value a lot of people are complaining we went from uh what was it snapcaster to liliana and then now to emrakul so it's been stepping yeah. down in value with every rptq promo i, I don't I mean, it's likely a very big decision to do that, but I mean, you can't have like, you know, 50 to $100 cards every time. I know it kind of like alleviates the entry prizes, but I mean, this is still pretty good. I mean, it's not like dirt cheap, but I think it's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's still like almost a $40 card, so right. I, I, I'm not too bothered by that. I think that's still pretty good value for a promo you get for free. It's not like they yeah. gave us, I don't know, some random dollar card. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, tournament roundup, Warsaw and Santiago. So more of the same. Uh, we see a lot of vehicles, Delirium and Flash. So uh, thoughts on that? Richard. I think we have our standard format. It's yeah. Delirium and Flash with a splash of vehicles. And yep. pretty much everyone's saying Delirium is pretty much the best deck now. If you're not playing, if there's no Aetherworks Marvel. And then the Flash players are like, well, maybe there's some Marvel there. So I'll play some counter spells. And then you have Blue White <laughs> Flash. And then you have vehicles players that refuse to play the mid-range game and try to get in there underneath. What was looking like a very open standard format is suddenly very closed. You know, the top 64 of Warsaw is basically all Flash and Delirium. Like, 
I'm seeing maybe over 70%. I, I don't know. I'm just eyeballing it. Like, basically, every deck is Flash or Delirium. So I think this is the standard format we're in. Uh, Flash or Delirium. That's, that's where we're at. What do you guys think? I made the point last time where we talked about this because we kind of had a little shred of, like, hope here that it's not directly just going that way. I am seeing some diversity from the competitive standard leagues. I mean, it's not... It is kind of trending now towards a lot more delirium and flash, but we do see still it, it's broken up a little bit. I mean, you still see some energy. You see uh, some zombie lists. Uh, you see reservoir. So, but I mean, I think at this point, you're right, Richard. Um, it's basically like a trifecta of decks and then some other decks can compete. But um, I still am pretty optimistic about standard. I, I still think it's pretty fun, uh, at least to watch. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's still early. Things are heading this direction, but it's only been two tournaments, I think, since the Pro Tour. And these were two of the big decks, like Green Black Delirium was one of the big decks at the Pro Tour. Blue White Flash was one of the winners at the Pro Tour. So it makes sense that these decks are big right now. So I'm going to withhold judgment. The good news is I don't hate these decks yet. So it's not like Collected <laughs> Company where I was just absolutely miserable. I'm still okay at this point with seeing these decks. So it's not it's not miserable yet. So I'm just going to wait another month or so and see what happens. Uh, things are looking heavily in that direction now. But I think there's still potential that the format could be shaken up. Especially because if Green Black Delirium ever gets too good, then you play Aetherworks Marvel because Green Black Delirium can't beat that deck and things so we kind of have some different options so i think the format has some safety valves if it goes too far one direction so we have until january 20th when ether Re- ether revolt releases so we have <laughs> yeah. another almost three months of standard to go so i hope you're right i hope it's not black cream delirium versus blue white flash at the next pro tour right although it is concerning right because they roll back the rotation change and it's like if we're already talking about this now, right? Like, imagine this for an extra six months. I mean, I don't know. I really, I really thought they should have just stuck it out for a little while longer. I, I still expect that when E3 Volt hoods a format, energy is just going to be pretty bonkers because it's pretty close to being busted right now with only one set so if we get a, another entire set of energy support and you can stop playing like thriving turtles and horrible cards and play real <laughs> cards that produce yeah. energy those decks could be very good come ether evil we want to just touch on this before fish mail so the standard showdown boosters and buy a box boosters so lay that out for us seth Okay, so Wizards is trying a couple new things over the next month or so. They have this standard showdown tournaments that are run on Saturdays for about a month in towards the end of November through December. And one of the interesting aspects of these events is Wizards is providing some prize support in the form of standard showdown booster packs, which are three-card booster packs. They're essentially... IRL treasure chests that come with two rares or mythics and one foil or masterpiece series card. So you can get those for different things. Some are hopefully going to be like door prizes or for bringing friends. Ideas to kind of generate excitement and support for standard. Also for performing well. Plus, they're going to use these same boosters as a buy a box promo. If you purchase a Kaladash box over the holiday season, you're going to get two of those. Uh, And the most interesting part of all this is 
the rate of expeditions in these three card boosters is one in every 33 packs, which is amazingly higher than what we see out of actual booster boxes. So there's a decent chance these are going to contain some really powerful cards. And I think it's going to really up the supply of the Masterpiece series. It contains both inventions and expeditions. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, one in 33 is pretty good odds, especially if you get two of these for buying a single box. You're like one in 16 and a half, which is pretty good rate for getting a Masterpiece series card. Yeah, this is a really big announcement, and I, I'm actually kind of excited about this. Like, this is a really good way to incentivize players to, I mean, obviously buy more product for them. I just, we were talking about this recording. I mean, you just look at this as just another avenue. You look at everything in the aggregate to just point back to, I mean, Wizards is just trying to promote their products and try to give some incentive to for stores to sell more product and for players to buy more product and just a way for to to keep some of these prices in check i think it's a i think it's a good thing here yeah so when i first heard of these i was like oh no treasure chest in real life and then i was like wait a minute this is all <laughs> upside because it's just all bonus stuff it's just treasure chests have left such a sour impression in my mind that you know it just automatically triggers this uh, response but this is all upside you're just getting free three card boosters on top for performing well and i think it's pretty exciting you know it gets me a lot more excited to play standard than uh, noose constrictor the latest fnm promo so i i think the chance of <laughs> actually cracking a rare or a mythic that's standard legal either to help your deck or you know just some value and you get a 1 in 33 chance at a masterpiece awesome just free stuff so can't complain about free stuff. I don't know what that's going to do to the price of standard. Maybe this is how they offset redemption. Maybe this is how they bring uh, more supply in. I, I don't know what that means uh, for the economy of Magic. But as a player, yeah, give me give me free stuff. And give me free stuff that could potentially be expensive. So I think it's pretty cool. I think people will come play standard for this. Yeah, and I, I think it's a pretty good solution to, to a conversation we had a couple weeks ago. It's like, ah... Uh, you know, players don't really feel like drafting. The standard attendance has been down. No one really cares. Like, there's, it's just not good value for them to keep drafting. I, you know, you brought up those points, Richard. I think this is a pretty good um, solution to that, as well as all the other points that you just brought up. So, uh, I'm, I'm definitely on board. Thank, thank with God, this. someone besides the Moto team made these. <laughs> this was the Moto one. It's like one foil common. It's like why, why, why are you giving me commons in my showdown boosters? I've, I don't know if you guys have. I mean, we've talked about treasures in the past, but and you guys, the last we left it, um, it was like up in the air. But I've seen some pictures of some of these treasures. I'm like, what? oh my god, it's they, awful. They actually they made an announcement starting oh. the 16th of November. They will be tradable, okay. so we'll see what that means. We'll see if the bots actually pay a reasonable price for them. If they do, then things kind of go back to normal. You just don't open them and sell them to bots, but I, I'm not sure. It's questionable because so much of the value is in the play points, which are pretty much worthless for the bots if they want to crack them. So we will see what, uh, how it turns out. All right, let's wrap it up with some fish mail. Um, like Richard says, you can tweet at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll try to answer as many as we can. Uh, we have a few this week, and, and thanks for sending them in. We're just going to try to get through them as best we can. 
And if there's uh, more of them, we're going to try to take the day that we, we like to record or Monday or, uh, you know, as we get to them to try to answer them so we don't have an overflowing amount of fish mail on each cast. So we're just going to run right through these. Take it away, Richard. From Rob underscore Condon, do redemption slash standard rotation changes have any impact on the Mythics three-year investment plan? I don't think so. If anything, I would be concerned about what we've seen from like Commander 2015, where there's been so many reprints from ca- of casual mythics from the past three years. So we'll see if that trend continues. That could be a concern. Uh, if anything, it might be a good thing uh, for the three-year plan, because there will likely be less supply coming out of Magic Online. Uh, so we'll see how it equals out with the reprints uh, as well. All right. Next question from at Eric. Smith 9144. Gents, what are your foremost thoughts when selecting cards for sideboard in modern? There are too many decks to consider. For Blood Moon. (laughs) (laughs) Then then proceed from that point if you're not already playing them in your deck. Uh, I mean, pros debate this as well. It doesn't feel like there's enough sideboard slots sometimes for modern. So uh, I guess my best advice would just be to try to play as many flexible cards as you can. Like in a lot of ways, uh, if you have a choice between Stony Silence and Shatterstorm, Stony Silence is probably better because it's good against Tron as well as Affinity, where Shatterstorm is really only good against Affinity. So uh, just do the best you can with making your sideboard cards apply to as many matchups as possible. Yeah, I follow well Seth's said. philosophy. I like Pithing Needle. Pithing Needle is a great sideboard card that can be used against almost any deck. Uh, modal cards like Jun Charm, Rakdos Charm, things like that where they may not necessarily be the best hate card, but they're very versatile and you can use them in a wide variety of matchups. Next question from at BitBodiceBot. Can y'all think of any reasons why the Magic Online ticks economy shouldn't go to a .0 one tick standard instead of integer standard uh so i believe the problem with this is it makes ticks too much like real money which then gets into gambling problems potentially which is why wizards makes you pay full ticks for everything essentially unless you're dealing with a bot that can store credit so that's my understanding of why wizards doesn't do that yeah and you would need an you would need the cent ticket or something to trade on magic, right? If you start moving to sense, so it just makes things a lot more complicated, and I don't think there is a big difference. Next question from at hash brown monster: Will we ever get a live podcast from you guys? E.g., Google Hangouts. Also, love the new intro outro. Awesome, and yes, we like to reserve those for special occasions. You can look back at the one year anniversary of the cast it is on the youtube channel if i remember correctly we should do another live one soon we don't do them regularly because you know we need to edit out all of our fumbles (laughs) all the behind the scenes (laughs) stuff but we could do it from time to time and i think we're due for one i think we should do one soon sometime yeah yeah and we like to kind of grab as many we like to line up some really good guests for them, too. So we like to make them really special. I mean, I think, aren't we closing in on the two-year anniversary here in a couple months? Yes, we are. So, we are. I mean, worst case, we should uh, probably do that again. Yep. Next question from at Alan Harrison. When goldfishing my new standard deck, I got a pretty mild paper cut. What has been your worst MTG-related injury? Uh, I, I, I don't know if this counts, but when we were... <laughs> when we were doing the the sleeve reviews, I had to shuffle like 40 different kinds of sleeves for a half hour each, which 
was an incredible amount of shuffling, like days of shuffling. And I got some blisters from that. So that's not directly MTG, but uh, close enough, I think, that that would be my worst MTG-related injury. Does Carpal Tunnel from Magic uh, Online count? Does, <laughs> like, bad posture and bad wrist count from playing Magic Online all day? Yeah, the most I've had is just, like, really achy. I mean, I go through a lot of cards sometimes. It's, like, just kind of, like, out of habit. And, yeah, my hands just get really, like, stressed out. But, I mean, I haven't had actual injuries that I could remember. Right, so Seth's the only one been on the IR from Magic. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. At Lol Goldsteel. Getting into Modern after being gone from Magic for five years, what's the best way to fill a trade binder? Uh, I'm a fan of finding a collection on craigslist or ebay potentially if you're careful on ebay um but finding a collection i think is the easiest way to fill a trade binder Uh, a collection that you can buy from someone else that's selling their collection or even ask around your local gaming store maybe there's someone who's getting out of the game and getting rid of their collection so keep your eyes open for that yeah i think that's a really good idea Next question from at Drive. Why is Eldritch Moon set redemption so expensive right now? Will it get cheaper? I believe it will get cheaper. I'm actually trying to see exactly what the price is right now uh, to see if it actually is expensive. Uh, So it looks like uh, about 131 ticks on Magic Online. Uh, I think part of this is somewhat inflated thanks to recent increases from Pro Tour. And you have to remember, too, there's some pretty high-end cards in the paper world, and there is a correlation there. But I think that we will see the price drop somewhat over the coming months. So I think it'll get slightly cheaper, but I don't think this is going to be one of the sets that end up being 60 ticks or something like we've seen in the past. I think there's too much value uh, in the set for that to happen. All right. From Sable I the Jace, what do you think about the rate at which Planeswalkers are being put in standard? Is this net good for the game? I think it's good for a marketing standpoint because we've talked about this a long time ago. These are kind of like the superheroes of magic the gathering in a way and people can identify with that the issue with the rate is more of like a from a design issue is that we start to see a lot of those bland you know omnixilis the jace uh, unraveler secrets type of planeswalkers where it's like it's it's exciting because it's a planeswalker but it just does very generic things um i'm okay with the rate of it but if there's a way to kind of balance that a little bit more where I, I would prefer a couple less Planeswalkers if it means that they're more engaging and interesting. I would rather see less. I, I would rather see yeah. a couple of Planeswalkers per set maybe and have them be very good. And I think, I think you can still meet your marketing objectives with just having Chandra and uh, one of the other Planeswalkers from Kaladash. Like, I don't think you lose that much in marketing if you made the other couple Planeswalkers into legendary creatures that can still be part of the story. Yeah, I think there's too yeah. many Planeswalkers. Like, was Tybalt really necessary? Gave him a bad card, was there for a block, disappeared, never heard from him ever again. Like, was that really necessary? Could he not have been, like, a 2-2 devil that did something on upkeep? So I I think there's too many Planeswalkers. Having the spark or whatever should be special, and now we're basically just the the Justice League or something. There's just, like, too many people to keep track of. Give me one or two Planeswalkers (laughs) to focus on per set. Like, I really like the original Innistrad. There wasn't a overabundance of people to follow there's just one main storyline and that's it so 
you get a spark and you get a spark. Basically. And, you get a spark. and then they just yeah. disappear. It's like, hi, I'm here. Sorry, I'm gone. And I never hear from you ever again. <laughs> yeah. Next question from Mark Evans 7. How do you feel about reading casting costs right to left? Red, red, too, seems more clear when speaking. I don't know if I'll ever be able to teach myself how to do that because I've always read it left to right. You're lucky that I say generic mana and colorless mana correctly half the time. So <laughs> I think I think the odds of me changing something like that. Remember is when they low. did the future sight cards? They reversed the mana symbols. I, I recall Morrow talking about oh, this, saying really red red two is much more intuitive. But by that point in time, the magic card you know the way they laid out the magic card was too ingrained and they could no longer change it so i think uh, yeah. mark here has a point but you know in english we read left to right so i think that makes the most sense and i think most magic players are ingrained with this by this point so it's it's kind of hard to break out of it next question from pro oh proud daddy 0312 is it possible to get budget commander decks on a more consistent basis well you should tweet at Tomer and tell him to make more budget commanders because uh, it's kind of at his whim when he's available. I know he's been moving lately, so he's been a bit busy. And with Commander Clash, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff to do. But if you want more budget commander, tweet at Tomer and let's convince him because I want more commander or budget commander as well. Last question from Random Keho. At the risk they might be reprinted, thoughts on purchasing... Commander 2016 Basic Lands as singles. See Vintage Artist Constructed. Do we know the distribution of these lands? Like, I, if I, you, I'm assuming you want the Rebecca Guy Basics. Uh, how, how do you get those in the sealed product? Does anyone know? Would it just not be the decks with those lands? <laughs> well, I mean, are they divided up? Oh, like, you yeah. think one Is there artist? one land that's yeah. for each? artist or is it I just think you, you get a couple yeah. here a couple there i think you get a couple in each but they're spread out okay okay uh yeah. then then i mean i'm assuming you gotta buy the singles then if you yes. want them i did not realize vintage artists constructed was such a big thing i've heard a lot of people mentioning that uh so i think you're fine to buy them if you need them for a deck uh, i guess that's they what gotta you gotta be do cheap, right i, I can't yeah. imagine most players uh, caring really? about this they're, they're, they're trending up to a dollar at least I see him at SCG right now at fifty cents a pop, but that's still okay. significant for basic lands compared to normal. I'm like almost double the positive price of the other you just ones. go find some EDH players playing with new constructed deck and ask them, "Would you want to switch? You know, here's some full art lands. Would you like to trade? Or you know, here are some random lands." I don't think most players care about this. Yeah. So my, I, I imagine they'll come down in price eventually. Be. And that's all our fish mail. So we didn't get to your fish mail on air. Uh, we will personally reply to you uh, via Twitter or whatever means you ask your questions. So if you want to send in fish mail for the future, hashtag MTG fish mail and tweet at MTG goldfish. Awesome. Another great cast, gentlemen. Anything out the door? I think we covered everything. Yep. So this is going to be the MTG goldfish crew signing out. We will do this again next week. Take care, everyone. <laughs>